Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Today's episode of Working is brought to you by Hiscox Small Business Insurance. Get customized insurance for your business right now. Go to hiscox.com to learn more and to get a free quote. Welcome to Working, Slate's podcast about what people do all day. I'm Rachel Gross, a writer for Slate who covers science and food. For this week's episode, we're talking with someone who's taken the art of pastry making to the next level. Teeny Lamoth is the owner of Washington, D.C.-based company Teeny Pies, and she's learned the hard way that it's fun to bake pies for your friends, but it's a lot harder to turn it into a small business. And in a Slate Plus Extra, Teeny shows us how to make the perfect pie from crust to finish. What's your name and what do you do? My name is Teeny, and I am the owner and baker of Teeny Pies. Can you tell me what Teeny Pies is? Sure. Uh, Teeny Pies is a pie company where we specialize in tiny seasonal pies. Tell me what it's like to be um, a professional baker, the owner of Teeny Pies. What does that entail? Um, for me, at the moment, it means doing all of it. So I only recently just hired someone part-time. So for the last two years, I've been doing the majority of the work, which means taking orders, lining up farmer's markets, and then there's all of the pie production as well. So I'm sort of like a one-man, one-lady workhorse over here, <laughs> one-lady band. <laughs> um, so everything sort of starts, starts and ends with me. <laughs> nice, though not ideal in the long run. Yeah, I think uh, if I were to only do it this way, I would eventually just like die of exhaustion. But... It's been a really great learning experience. And I understand that winter is not the season for pies, so this is one of your quieter seasons. Mm -hmm. But I would love to ask you, um, 
in a busier time, what if you could take me through a typical day at Teeny Pies? Sure, absolutely. Cool. So I do everything in stages. So beginning of the week is crust. So in making the dough, rolling everything out. Midweek is um, filling production. So whether that's cutting up produce or peeling apples or putting all the ingredients together for the savory pies, that sort of happens midweek. Um, and then the end of the week is building and baking all of the pies. So we have markets on Fridays and Saturdays, uh, typically during the, the market season. So we build everything on Thursdays and Fridays. So a typical baking day would mean I show up at 6.37 and then I start assembling each pie by flavor. So we'll do all of the strawberry rhubarb pies first, which get a crumble, and then they get baked for 40 minutes, and then we'll move on to the apple pies, and et cetera, et cetera, until everything is baked off. And then once it's had an opportunity to cool, then we package everything for the markets. Oh, so it's like a week-long pie odyssey. Yeah, I didn't expect exactly. that. I figured you'd bake them all in one day, but yeah, it's a process. Yeah, I think it's, it's a process. It has to be a process in order for everything to get done efficiently. Right. So, yeah. That totally makes sense. Especially if you're making as many pies as we tend to make in a week. Which is how many? In our busiest season, it's between 300 and 400 pies a week. 400 pies a week. Yeah. And who makes those all? I make all those pies. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of pies. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty epic. I've, I'm very proud at the end of and tired at the end of each week. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. So um, it's interesting. Uh, there's like a whole day and a half dedicated to making crust and crust rolling. Yeah, I I think it's one of the hardest parts of making the pies. I think, and it could just be that I'm scared to teach somebody. But I've got it down to such a science that there's no waste. So it takes me about, gosh, I want to say it takes me about a minute to roll out a crust. And so I've gotten it down. I'm very speedy. Um, but it because of the amount that we make each week, it's, it's probably one of the things that takes the most time. And you said you hand roll everyone, what mm -hmm. would be the alternative to that? I think at some point we'll probably get a sheeter and then we'll start cutting out rounds What's as opposed a to, it's a, it is a machine that flattens the dough for you. So it yeah. will, it will make it whatever, um, however thin I want. It'll, I'll make it the perfect thinness for cutting out and then crimping the dough. So the actual rolling process will be taken away, which will be wonderful for my shoulders my neck and shoulders and then the only thing we'll have to do is cut things out and then crimp with um do our signature crimp what's your signature crimp um i do a little v crimp with my thumb and pointer finger oh. <laughs> all the way around what does that look like um it's just a really delicate flute which i think makes a really pretty tiny pie it's something that I learned from my mom. So I'm, I learned most of my pie tricks from my mom. And then I think I've just gotten better and better because of the sheer volume of pies that I make. So on a crust rolling day, mm -hmm. could you maybe just start from like when you get in in the morning and sure. what you do kind of maybe hour by hour? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> task number one, consume lots of coffee. Uh, task number two, pick the ideal music to mm. not get too amped up but also to not get bored where are um, you i'm at the kitchen so i rent space in a in a big commercial kitchen um in order to be able to sell at farmers markets you have to have this the proper licensing and so i rent 
a space with two other people at a tiny little kitchen on Rhode Island and Forth. Everything is there. I've, I do most of my work on my prep table. I've got lots of stacks of dough in the fridge. Each disc of dough gets chopped into fourths, and then those fourths get chopped into fourths, and each of those fourths becomes a teeny pie. So I roll them out into hopefully the perfect circle, um, stick them into their tin, and then I do the crimp all the way around. And I roll out 16 at a time um, before the dough gets too warm to work with and I have to put it back in the fridge. I load up all the crusts on a tray and then I stick them in the freezer and then I I start stacking them. So every 16 crusts I go and I stack them in the freezer so they just live in their stacks until they're ready to be filled. And you're basically making the crusts and piling them all morning or all day? all day. Yep, it's an all-day endeavor. Is it almost like every day is a different part of the process? It, yeah, I would definitely say so. I would. I think Monday, I typically make as much dough as is necessary for the that because we order a lot of a lot of orders come in at the end of each week, and so I just have to calculate how much dough is necessary. So each disc of dough makes thirty-two teeny pies, and so I just count up from there. So depending on how much I need is how much I make on Mondays. And then Tuesdays and Wednesdays, um, I do all my rolling. Tuesdays, I also buy any extra things that need to be bought ingredients-wise. So Tuesday is a shopping day where I either go to Big Valley Produce, which is over in the Florida market, or I head to Costco um, because it's just up the street from my kitchen. So Tuesday is a shopping and rolling day. And then... Wednesday is a big, um, I call it the, the produce day. So I do all of my, like, I peel a lot of apples or I peel a lot of peaches and they get chopped and put into big containers into the fridge. And then Thursday and Fridays are, are baking days. Which one's your favorite days? I still think baking days. I think it's really fun. I think in talking to other people about the business of pie baking, I think I had a lot of different ideas of what it was going to be like when I first started. And one of the misconceptions is that you're baking all the time. Like right. if you are a pie baker, people think that you are going to be baking all the time. And the reality is you do a lot of work before you get to bake. And so I think on the days when I get to do the most baking, it's so rewarding. It's like everything that I've worked towards for Thursday bake day is like coming to fruition, right? So I get to pull up my crust, I get to pull out my fillings, I get to throw it all together and make beautiful pies. And I think the baking part is still the most fun. That's very cool. It's like delayed gratification. Yeah, exactly. It's more rewarding (laughs) even. Yeah, so right. So it sounds like you're doing a lot of prep work throughout the week and that's still to make actual pies. But you mentioned um, you get a lot of the orders earlier in the week. Yep. Um, And obviously there's a huge business side of pie baking. There is, yeah. And I think that's the part that I wasn't, I think that's the part that I needed to experience firsthand in order to know much about it. I think it's one thing to be very good at baking. Um, It's another to be able to run a business. And I think I've learned the most just by doing it. So you take orders early in the week. Who are your main customers and do you have any really big clients? For the most part, we rely on farmers markets and a couple of large wholesale clients. Um, And then if we get a few orders from personal customers 
in between, we sort of just throw those onto the pile of what we need to make for the week. I don't do anything in stores. I think stores are tricky because we don't have the shelf life that is as long as other products, which I think is fine. At Union Kitchen, you sort of have to decide whether or not you want to do stores and or just farmers markets. And I think the idea went through my brain a few times about whether or not to be in stores and it just didn't seem to make sense for my product, which I think is okay. I think I am much more a sort of like coffee shop, farmer's market product, which I sort of love. Yeah. And how much do your pies go for at the farmer's market? Uh, the tiny ones are between five and six. Um, so those are four inch pies that go for five or six dollars. And then the large pies are anywhere between 20 and 26, I think is the most expensive of our nine inch pies. Um, and then our savory pies are nine. So you want to sell as many pies as possible at the farmer's market. Right. Does that require you having to spend a lot of time with customers? What do you have to do to get enough sold? Um, I think it's a combination of things. I think it helps to have a personable person behind the booth. Is that generally you? It's it's a mix. So it's me uh, and my husband, who's actually, he outsells me every weekend. <laughs> and it's sort of not fair, but I take it with a grain of salt because he does it for free, <laughs> <laughs> which I appreciate more than anything. And so the um, we have a deal that whoever outsells the other person gets lunch. So I treat him to lunch every Saturday because <laughs> he outsells me in Mount Pleasant. <laughs> So why does your husband usually outsell you? I think he's a better flirt. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's funny because I think he loves pie to his core. Like he stands behind the product so hard. And I do to the same extent, but it's a lot harder to sell your own product, I think, a lot of the time. Right. And he is just behind it 100% of the time. And he because he's able to talk about it with such like joy and enthusiasm, he is the perfect salesman. <laughs> it seemed to me like pie was a bit of a competitive market in DC. There's Dangerously Delicious, mm -hmm. there's I think Pie Sisters, mm -hmm. uh, and then there's Whisked, of course. Yep. So did you find it hard to break into that market here? I think it's always going to be hard. Absolutely. I think what's nice is that I feel like I have found a pretty solid spot amongst the other pie vendors, right? So not only do I offer adorable pies, like they're just so cute. There are very few vendors that do the size that I do. Um, but I'm also, I feel like I'm, I, I have pretty awesome savory pies, which not everybody offers. And so... What kind I, of savory pies do you do? Um... I guess a few, so a few favorites have been the Reuben pie, which is like a Reuben sandwich, but in pie form. Thanksgiving dinner pot pie, which is like Thanksgiving dinner, but in a pie. There's a Thai red curry chicken pot pie. What? There's a shepherd's pie. Yeah, I think I love coming up with these savory ideas um, and then seeing if I can make it happen. That's yeah. like a mix between those Willy Wonka, like <laughs> jelly beans, that could have like an entire like roast pork dinner in a like, right, candy. In a bite. Right. right. What would be the process for coming up with a pie idea and then following it through to conception? So my favorite meal of all time is Thanksgiving. I think it's the perfect combination of, of everything. It's salty. It's got sweet elements. It's got stuffing. I think you can't go wrong with Thanksgiving dinner. And so 
in trying to come up with a Thanksgiving dinner pot pie, I wanted to know what elements would work as a pot pie and how to transform that into the perfect like savory pie. And so I started with, uh, our, so our signature crust is a whole wheat crust. Um, and so I wanted to add a little bit of cracked black pepper to that. So it gave it just like a little bit of depth. So it's a whole wheat crust with cracked black pepper. And then the filling is fairly similar to like a traditional chicken pot pie, but it's got turkey and gravy. And then uh, in addition to that, it's got sweet potatoes because sweet potatoes and Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, Cranberries, which add this like really nice pop of tart. Uh, Peas. And then rather than have a traditional top crust, we put stuffing on top. So it's got all of the elements of Thanksgiving dinner, but in the end, it ends up looking like this adorable bite-sized like piece of dinner. And did that take a lot of uh, practicing in the kitchen, a lot of bad Thanksgiving pies before you got to that? It certainly creation? was a lot of soupy. <laughs> Getting the right combination of getting the right ratio of things is has has always been fairly important when deciding to make savory pies because a dry pie is just disgusting and soupy pies are no fun to eat so that's the delicate balance but I feel like since I've started making these pies I have a pretty great instinct for like knowing what's going to work ratio wise And so since I've made hundreds of chicken pot pies, it's pretty easy to just sub new elements in. You've been listening to Teeny Lamoth, owner of Teeny Pies in Washington, D.C. In a minute, you'll hear Teeny talk about how she got her start shadowing other experienced bakers across the country. And the sad fact that if she really wants to open a storefront for her business, she will probably have to leave the district. Womp womp. It takes courage to build a small business. Don't risk what you've worked so hard for. Protect your small business today with Hiscox. Hiscox offers a new way to buy small business insurance. They tailor their small business insurance coverage to fit your needs, allowing you to buy only what you need. Policies start from $22.50 per month. Plus, it's easy. You can order online or over the phone from a licensed advisor in minutes. If you're a professional baker like Teeny Lamoth, whether you have a storefront or just a catering business, Hiscox can keep you protected. Don't wait to purchase coverage for your small business. Visit hiscox.com today to learn more about their services and to get a free quote. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. What are some of your biggest costs doing this? Since we decide to use fresh and local produce as often as possible, that's probably our biggest ingredients cost is that local produce is more expensive than just buying it you know, getting it delivered from a warehouse where it's been frozen and processed. Um, and, and I'm not saying that we don't occasionally use that when it, when it is beneficial, but the more often we can use local produce, the better, in my opinion. I think it makes for a better pie. Um, and does the produce cost more than even the kitchen space? No, certainly not. I would say ingredients-wise, that's our highest cost, but we've also managed to make some pretty great relationships, like develop some pretty great relationships with fellow farmers markets farmers. And so they're willing off, they're often willing to like trade pie for produce, which has been really fun to negotiate. Like, I think that the farmers markets are pretty, 
cool community once you are inside. Um, everybody is willing to barter, which is new. I didn't realize this until I started working farmer's markets. And like, so I can typically trade a four inch pie for like a bag of apples or two boxes of mushrooms. Um, Aaron is very good at bartering for meat, which is excellent. Like he can get some ground, some like good farmer's market ground beef. Which is expensive. Yeah, exactly. For a pie or two. Um, I think the key is to wait until the end of the market when people don't necessarily want to bring their their stuff home, right? right? So right. like, I don't want to bring home 20 pies that I haven't sold from the market, so I'm going to go see who likes pie more than they like whatever they're trying to sell. Right. Uh, which is not hard because, I mean, when you're when you think about it, the product that I make is worth X amount of dollars, right? And the product that they are trying to sell is worth X amount of dollars. And like, they don't want to bring that home. I don't want to bring pie home. It's the perfect trade. It's a win-win. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun when you start thinking about your products as being worth what they are, as opposed to like, just trying to get money for them. Our biggest cost overall are the kitchen space. It is expensive to rent commercial space in DC. And I guess I would say labor like time I mean luckily the person that I hired has been wonderful and she is driven in a way that I think I am Um, but I can imagine in the real world uh, when I start employing more people that they won't necessarily have the same drive or the same passion in the same way that I do and I still have to pay them what I have agreed to pay them and so I think it will always be sort of a balancing act between finding those people that are perfect for it, and then encouraging them to work really, really hard. So you've run Teeny Pies for about two years, I understand? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, how did you start baking? So I grew up with pie. Pie was our dessert of choice in my household. Um, and we had a big garden out back. So my mom essentially grew everything that she needed for pies in the backyard and then this threw together pies. This is in Denver, pies. Colorado? Yeah, this is in Colorado. Uh, my brother and I used to ask for birthday pies, so we were very much a pie family, and then I sort of left it behind. I went to college for theater. Mm-hmm. I have a BFA in acting, which only really helps at the farmer's markets. Like, I think it makes it, I think it makes me more open. I think I have a much easier time talking to people. And then I was an actor in Chicago for about five years. And then my husband and I moved in together. We were not dating, we were just roommates. And so uh, as a Sunday night activity, I started making pies. And we would have the pie for the week, and Aaron would eat it for breakfast. And then the next Sunday, I would make two pies instead of one pie, and we'd have friends over. And so the number of pies I was making every week was multiplying week by week by week. And I feel like I had a lot of friends tell me that I should start something. I think you can only hear that so often before you want to see where it might lead. Um, And I knew that going to pastry school was going to be really expensive. And so instead of doing that, I decided to put together my own, what I called the tour of pie, which is essentially a year's worth of apprenticeships. So I spent a year traveling from pie shop to pie shop, 
um, in order to learn specifically how to make pie and how to run a small business. So you got almost like a PhD in pies, very Basically, specialized yeah. eyes on the pies. Eyes on the pies. I like did it. I went to 10 different um, shops across the country. Um, I would stayed about a month in each place. Did you just call them up and say, I'd like to work for you for free? I, yep. I started with emails and then I started cold calling. Uh, and That's I bold. slowly, it was really scary and hard. <laughs> um, and then ultimately so rewarding. I think there were certainly moments when I got homesick and where it felt very overwhelming. But at the same time, it was the coolest thing that I've ever done, I think. Uh, to make that sort of an, a time of adventure and learning so many new and wonderful things was incredible. I think it's really cool to live that kind of adventure. So you spend a year basically being a pie-making apprentice. Mm -hmm. And then how did Teeny Pies get started about two years ago? Um, so in between Teeny Pies getting started and the tour of pie, about halfway through the tour of pie, I was contacted by a publishing company, and they asked if I had ever thought about writing a cookbook. How did they find you? They, I was keeping a blog uh, oh. to keep my friends notified of where I was in the country. So still it was alive. Just like a little update. I'm I'm still alive. I'm making pie in Seattle, in Boston. This is what I'm doing. This is why it's hard. This is why it's fun. Um, and they liked my style of writing. They liked the idea of pies, um, and they approached me about writing a cookbook. So halfway through the tour of pie, I like took on the, the, I put on my cookbook writing cape as well as my apprenticing cape and just totally immersed myself in pie. So you wrote a cookbook. How long did that take? I wrote about half of it while I was still finishing up the tour of pie. So I spent about six months writing the travel part of it, like the stories of being on the road and apprenticing and highlighting each of the pie shops. And then I spent another six months after I moved to DC, Aaron moved here ahead of me. He got a job with PBS. And so he moved here and then I moved here a month later and finished the cookbook, which included all the recipe testing. That so is a lot of change yep. in a couple of years. <laughs> yes. And then once I finished the cookbook, I took about six months. I just worked odd baking jobs around D.C. And then I started Teeny Pies. I moved into Union Kitchen. I like started renting space there. So I understand that's actually a bit of a process. So you have to find the industrial kitchen space. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned kind of getting licensed to sell at mm -hmm. cafes and farmers markets. Yep. What was that process like? Um, so once you start at Union Kitchen, they're very helpful about helping you get your business license. So I have a catering license, which enables me to sell within DC um, at the farmer's markets. I also have business insurance um, through a very helpful person that they recommended. Um, and then I also have my food handlers certification as a manager. And so you have to go and take a test um, and make sure that, you know, to wear gloves when you are packaging pies and to not use chicken that has been sitting on the counter for four hours. So you go and you just like learn the practical side of behaving yourself in a kitchen and then you take a test and they give you a license. Was that a lot of work to get all of those certificates though before you could sell your pies? It was a lot uh, money wise. I It's a lot up front just to get started um, 
because without being able to sell anything, you've got to pay for your license, you've got to pay for your food handler's license, you have to pay for your insurance, you have to pay for all of your ingredients, you have to pay rent on your kitchen space, and then you can sell pie or whatever product that you are trying to sell. So the, the upfront costs are large and then it sort of evens out over time, depending on whether or not you sell your product. What was the biggest challenge when you were first starting out? Finding people to sell to, like finding that community. How did you go about doing that? I actually sold a lot of pies through Norman's Farm Market to begin with. They were our CSA. We went to them for vegetables, so we would drive out to them every week. And one week I just asked if they would ever think about selling pie alongside their vegetables. And so that started the conversation Um, and they said that they were willing as long as I was working out of a commercial kitchen. And so I took steps to making that happen. Um, and I think it gave me a very, a very distinct advantage in the beginning because unlike most small businesses that start, I already had a customer, which was amazing. Uh, It was super helpful. So right now you're selling in farmer's markets and coffee shops, and you have a couple of wholesale clients. Mm-hmm. What's the next step for Teeny Pies? I think the next step is a storefront, and I think that's a pretty tricky question so far as Teeny Pies is concerned because I'm, I don't think it's going to happen in D.C. So I think we've spent the last two years learning everything we can learn about the pie-making process and how that goes. Um, but I think ultimately it's too expensive for us to think about retail here. I think I want to live in the neighborhood where I have a pie shop. And I think right now I'm being priced out of all neighborhoods in DC. And so I think financially it makes a lot of sense to go to another city closer to family where the cost of living is so much lower. Um, unfortunately, I think I think I'm going to miss my customers here so hard. Like, they're wonderful customers. But I also think that the process of starting over again is going to go a lot faster this time. So it's taken us two years to get where we are. I think that that will not be the case where we are next. I think it's going to be fairly easy to build up customer base. And I think we're going to dive – I'm going to dive right into uh, fundraising to, to open a storefront. So I'm working on my business plan right now, which is very new and exciting. There's a lot of internet reading about how to write a business plan because I've never done that before. But I think slowly and steadily, it's, it's coming together. And I think it's helpful that I have immersed myself in the business for two years because I do know a lot more than I think I know. Because in writing it all down, it's very easy to picture what I want and how to get there with somebody else's money. (laughs) That would help. Yes. So what tips would you give to burgeoning pie bakers who are thinking of opening a business? I would say try to get all of your ducks in a row before you spend all of your money. Um, I think what really helped me in the beginning was having a customer straight off the bat. And I also think I was lucky to find a kitchen that was also willing to help me on the business side because that was the part that I knew the least about. So I knew plenty on how to make a good product. Um, and so finding somebody who will help you with the small details of becoming a full-fledged business is also pretty important. Like where to go to find a business license and what kind of business license you should be trying to get. Um, that was pretty helpful. 
when starting. So find somebody that you trust and just like ask them all the questions. <laughs> I have one more question I have to ask. So you mentioned about birthday pies. Um, how about wedding pies? Who made your <laughs> wedding cake or pie? I made my wedding pies. How did that come about? It was, it was a trick. <laughs> Tell us more. Um, I was surprise married last August, um, a year ago. Congratulations. I, thank you so much. Yeah. I didn't realize I was getting married. Um, my now husband planned our entire wedding as a surprise. I thought he was simply planning this awesome proposal, but he pulled out all the stops. His sister brought down dresses. I had a hair appointment. Our friends and family flew in and there was a fake pie order placed a week before my wedding for Scott's family reunion. Air quotes. Air quotes that ended up being my own wedding pies. So you made all your own pies. I sure did. How many was that? Uh, I want to say it was about two dozen, but of the big pies. It was pretty amazing. They were delicious. And the thing is, I wouldn't have wanted anybody else's pies there. So So he knew you. He did. What a good trick. (laughs) That is pretty great. Thanks so much for walking us through the life of pie. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Happy baking. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Working. I'm Rachel Gross. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. You can email us at working at slate.com. And you can listen to all five seasons at slate.com slash working. This episode was produced by Mickey Capper. Our executive producer is Steve Lichtai. And the chief content officer of the Panoply Network is Andy Bowers. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.